Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. This episode of Sound and Vision is sponsored by Kensington Panel and Stretcher. Kensington Panel and Stretcher offers high-quality custom surfaces for painting and mixed-media artwork. All products are handmade and designed to meet the highest standards of strength and stability. To learn more or place an order, visit them online at kensingtonpanels.com. Tamara Gonzalez is an artist born in Madera, California, and lives and works in Brooklyn, New York. She's recently exhibited at Klaus von Nieshagen Gallery and Shoot the Lobster in New York City, as well as group shows at Journal Gallery, Real Estate Gallery, the Southampton Arts Center, Half Gallery, and many others. Her work has been covered in Hyperallergic, The Brooklyn Rail, The New Yorker, Artnet, Art Info, and many other publications. She's had residencies at Yaddo and the Vermont Studio Center, and also ones in Mallorca, Basel, New Delhi, and more. I stopped by tomorrow's Bushwick studio and we spoke about exploring music, exploring the mind, getting more 2D, and much more. Here's our conversation. So I might be looking often over here. Okay. Because these look good. This is all brand new work. Um <laughs> I mostly I, new. I said I wasn't mm-hmm. gonna talk. <laughs> I said I wasn't gonna but talk are about we, specific Are we podcasting stuff. now? Sure, no. we can okay. we can start whenever. Mostly new. Yeah. yeah. But not to speak about specifically each one, but so you have a group of large paintings that you're working on and sculptures. Yes. Are those also new? The, the sculptures are new. It's an idea that is old. Mm-hmm. I've made many versions of these probably 15 years ago. And um, the time seemed ripe to actually make a, a leap to 3D. I've kind of pushed it back because of storage issues. Yeah, sculptures like are Kind of like <laughs> <laughs> 2D, I'm painting, I'm painting. Right. But um, I started as an installation artist, uh, moved, you know, made a conscious decision to really work um, on, the, you know, focus on paintings, two-dimensional work. And now um, it's back. Yeah, full circle. <laughs> so wait, wait, where did you grow up? I grew up in California, mm-hmm. um, Madera, California, three hours south of San Francisco, heart of the Central Valley. I was going to say, is it like right in the middle? Right in the right middle. In the middle? How'd you end up there? How your parents? What did they do? Uh, well, my mother was born there. Yeah, born and raised. <laughs> born and raised. Um, my dad was uh, from San Diego area, and he was in the Air Force. And there was an Air Force base in Merced. So, so he was. That's uh, in the he area. was stationed. Yeah, he was yeah. stationed in Merced, five M towns: Merced, Modesto, Madera. 
I forget the other two. Oh, those are like the five M's yeah, of Central yeah, California. Of Central. It was very uh, agricultural when I was growing up. Yeah. I was born 59, so the 60s was uh, cotton, watermelons, uh, corn, almost anything that grow there. And did you grow up with a lot of space around you? Oh. Yeah. Fields. There was acreage. <laughs> Fields, <laughs> <laughs> literally. Yeah. There was, um, it was a beginning of a track housing. Mm-hmm. So there was four blocks surrounded by fields, and then there was a, uh, uh, I, to call it a, what would you call it? Well, there was a giant supermarket and a laundromat that you could walk to. And that was pretty and, much and it. And then, yeah, <laughs> and then the town was like, <laughs> you know, it was really not that far, maybe, you know, seven, eight miles, but for a kid walking to town, that could take. It felt like. Yeah, yeah it was a whole adventure. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, did you were you creative as a young child? We had to be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we didn't even think of it. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't think it was creative. Right. But there was two choices: go out inside and play, or stay inside and play. Right. And once you went out, you weren't coming back in until lunch. Yeah. You know, it was like the door couldn't be flying open and closed every five minutes. Right. It was almost so like you were probably like the backyard. <laughs> you were either going to be bored or be inside creative. or outside. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so we had a lot of fun. I actually think it was a, um, a super way to spend one's childhood. Mm-hmm. And brothers and sisters? Um, no brothers and sisters. I was an only oh, child. An only child. And, uh, but um, like I said, on these four blocks of track housing, there were a lot of kids and no locked doors. And yeah. everyone's mom sort of always kept them, you know, one eye out the front and back doors of the houses. So we built forts, played in trees. And your friends were like, it was like almost like a little family. Yeah, there was just a gang of kids and we all got along. I guess you'd have to be tight if it's that small. There's really, yeah, there's no choice. You could have, you know, fights and I'm never speaking to you again. And (laughs) an hour later, knock, knock. Right. (laughs) Can Cindy come out and play? (laughs) (laughs) Guess we're getting over it. (laughs) So did you ever go, uh, like, drive to the cities or, or did you, you were pretty much out there? No. Yeah, um, I had an uncle in San Francisco, so there was, you know, that was the city. Uh, we did visits mostly for family events. I joke the first time I saw a museum, I was, you know, well into my twenties. Mm-hmm. And did you uh, were you a fan of music growing up? Was uh, music big in the house? My grandfather listened to lots of uh, country western music. Really, he was from Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And um, so my like grandmother was like <laughs> old timey. I don't even, you know, looking back, what was he listening to? You know, Tennessee Williams, probably. Mm-hmm. Or and like bluegrass. Like it might have been nah, flat and scrugs or stuff <laughs> like that. Well, his domain was the garage. Right. You know, so his mu- music was in the garage. And my grandmother was Harry Belafonte all the oh, way. Really? So she was inside. Um, I was, you know, I first remember really we had the radio and, um, being a huge, you know, fan of the sixties music was like the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, um, Hendrix, Hendrix for sure. That drove my grandmother nuts. (laughs) (laughs) I, I should preface this. My grandparents were raising me Okay. and my mother had ensconced up to hate Ashbury. Oh, really? So she was living in the city, and that's why I said I would see her 
and we'd make these trips. And she was a total hippie during that time, sort of, I don't know, maybe late beat, early hippie. Was, was she young when she had you? Yeah, she was, okay. uh, I think she was 17 or 18, which honestly then was about standard. Right. But, but by today's standards, it'd be young. And young. Yeah. Like yeah. developmentally. Right. Like she's still. She's, her she's, life was all ahead of yeah, her. Yeah, she hasn't right. solidified yeah, yet. Yeah, so. So she went up north to so find she herself. Was, right, exactly. She, she was up in San Francisco, and I was, you know, in with her her mother. Um, so when she would visit, she would feed me all the new things she was discovering as mm-hmm. I got older, uh, you know. So there was a little bit of a. I got a jump start on some of the music. And oh, yeah. Uh, psychedelic art. Yeah. So that was an influence. Yeah. So that definitely, definitely was an influence. That must Love be interesting. Love the Jefferson airplane. Oh, my God. How often did you see her? Um, well, I would see her probably monthly. There was a period after, I think, from first grade. I didn't see her until I was 13 again. She, at that really? time, went off traveling and ended up in New York. And eventually I would come to New York when she was settled here. Oh, that's how you... So that's how I made the leap across country. Yeah, the different coast. Yeah, yeah. So, but I guess you, I don't know, did you feel settled as a child? Or did you feel like things were always in flux? I felt very settled. But it must have been hard as an only child. Or or maybe you felt the community. Well, I was with my grandparents, so I was, uh, you know... I was doted on. It was like the villain. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. was totally yeah, yeah. spoiled. That's nice. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I want a peacock. I got a peacock. <laughs> right, right. I guess that's nice as a kid. You're like, yeah, mom's off it's finding great. herself. But I, I won't say that. Yes, I, I did have. You know, I longed for that connection with yeah. my mother. But I, looking back, you know, um, things are like they are, and, and I had a very good grounding. Uh, early childhood which I think you know knowing how far I flew after that was good it kept me balanced yeah. with some of my radical journeys into <laughs> alternative <laughs> lifestyles well it sounds like grandma and grandpa were probably the at the age of like adults nowadays in the city yeah they were like 35 yeah. <laughs> so they were handled you know like well well suited to yeah to take care of you. yeah and and they you know my grandmother um again when i look back you know she made everything we needed in the house mm-hmm. pretty much and my grandfather too if we needed a table he built it in the garage she painted it so there was a lot of um um just craft a lot of crafting and a lot of things built for fun out of necessity and then you made them nice and brought them inside so yeah even though there wasn't um any really early art education. I'm trying to think what the nuns taught us. Oh, you went to Catholic school? Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to <laughs> <laughs> You know. Yeah. <laughs> no, Easter was always fun. We did some felt banners. But yeah, there was a lot of do-it-yourself, which right. is it is great, you know, art education for any any creative person. Yeah, make Just something. Just to like grow up around that. You don't have it, make it. Yeah. Make it up. It's literally a creative <laughs> situation. You're creating necessity, yeah. you know. So it's, it's a good habit for, for you know, you, you know, your mind to develop. Yeah. Well, when did, you know, drawing? Um, usually, it's drawing that kids are first getting into, or drawing, or painting, or sculpting. 
like when did that first come into play in a sense that you were conscious of like being creative you know or um this would be as a teenager already i well two things one my mother opened a bakery this is when i'm living with her and we're now into 1975 76 when this wait is this san francisco or new so york? this is we're in new york city oh okay um and um since i was the creative kid anyway in this bakery i was a cake decorator and i started with simple skills that grew over a few years um so that's when i was first applying in you know creativity towards uh, i don't know product is a terrible word to use but as cake it, it was yeah. a product right, right. <laughs> something that people were going to be looking it must at look yeah it eating. must look good it must look <laughs> right edible right. you know it's Have for a wedding it's for there's a birthday so and and then there was a deadline you know mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and the order comes in you make the cake you decorate it so i was um decorating cakes for several years and you're also mixing up a lot of colors so when i did get to art school and i set up a palette of paint there was some memory of like oh i think yeah this is familiar yeah, yeah. You, you mix up Mixing. your colors you use these spatulas yeah Oh, you, you don't were pick using up a palette knife. Yeah, you yeah. don't. Yeah, you use right. <laughs> Thinking about that creamy consistency. Exactly. Of, you can uh, whip it. Okay. <laughs> I got into different mediums later, but the very basic first painting classes were like, oh, weirdly familiar. That's a, that's a little bit of a frosting look to that's the way that. Those, yeah, that's yeah. out of that's a um, a medium that's out of a cake. Oh, really? Applicator. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's funny. I've never come across <laughs> anyone who's learned their chops. In the in bakery. The bakery. <laughs> <laughs> Frosting cakes. That's pretty interesting. I'm sure it informed, well, obviously, it informed your, and you have it's these borders. It's never gone away. You have borders <laughs> There's around. There's borders everywhere. Yeah. I never would have thought that looking at it, but that makes sense. So you were doing that for a couple of years. Yeah, so I was doing that as a, as a teenager, and, and the drawing was, um, I think like most teenagers, I drew album covers. Yeah. Copied things. Um, I w- was never thinking I was heading towards art school. Um, you were just doing In that. high school. Right. But um, eventually, you know, teachers say, oh, you, you know, you could go in this direction. You could do something creative. I still didn't really click for me until I was like 27 is when I decided to take my first art class. Wow. So you that was so you graduated high school. I didn't graduate high school. You left high school. I left high school to You were just working. To basically. um I was working and I was also studying yoga with an Indian guru in um Southern California. Oh, so when you came out when did you come to New York? So I, I came to New York probably Is that when nineteen seventy three, seventy four, seventy five. I think it was seventy six. Yeah. Seventy five, seventy six. Was um, was that culture shock? Because the New York City in the early seventies was, <laughs> <laughs> from what I've heard, it's a little different. <laughs> it's a, a touch it was different. the Wild West. Well, it was it was culture sh- culture shock for sure. Moving here the first time, um, Madeira was a small place. I went to school with uh, the same twenty kids for eight years. Um, you know, changing classrooms was a huge deal. Yeah, you know. Um, 
And the density. I mean, all we did in Madeira was just go to the next room every year. Right. It was eight rooms, and you started in one, and at the end of the year, you were on the other side. Like sixth grade was just nothing a different happened. door. Yeah, it was nothing. A different door Essentially, than the you know, in eighth grade, you looked across the hall at the first graders. <laughs> it's kind of there's something nice so about that. So our high school had three floors. I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm sure looking back, that had something to do with it. Um, I also had a you know a sort of different household. My mother was very much into Reiki and therapy and energy systems, and I had. Um, I've been a vegetarian and I, you know, I don't know. I started taking yoga classes and just really wanted to pursue that. And it, she wasn't a mother that would say no to that. It sounded good. So I did yeah. that for two years and later, um, you know, took a GED test. And I think when I got back to New York, and this is like after my yoga ashram stint was a couple years. It was 1977, 78. Um, most of my previous friends were uh, into mu- music. Mm-hmm. And so I was really kind of following a music circuit, working for my mother, decorating cakes. Um, and there were some times I was starting to go to the Art Students League to take figure drawing classes so the drop in yeah did um, that give you a taste for like oh it's something i might want to spend more time doing you know it wasn't as clear as that but i do just remember i still i i, I dropped in a, a couple years ago for an, um, a lecture um, just walking across and smelling the place yeah. terps right <laughs> remember turpentine like, <laughs> whoa it's just, i just you know i get happy yeah <laughs> I don't think it's a contact eye. It's just like, oh, you know, my nervous system relaxes. I look around and just seeing wood and, and paint and that activity going on. It was, I felt like when I walked in there, there was some recognition of something. Right. You know. It was like a safe I, space. I, I, yeah, it was totally, um, oh, I'm, I'm at home feeling. That said, I didn't, at that time, didn't think of it as a, a viable, I don't know, career path. Yeah. You know, there's no sustainability. <laughs> I, like, I had right. no idea what artists did. Yeah. You know, I would, uh, you know, I think the best thing about, I went to Parsons, the best thing I, I learned along with, you know, a color palette, or I had a lot of fun with the courses, was meeting um, artists, going to their studios, and actually seeing how that work looks or, yeah. or some of the different ways there's many ways it can look like but oh what an artist studio is and you know giving it some some legs because yeah. up until then it was just you know i don't know i read van you know van gogh's story and right. crazy you know i just really didn't know yeah mm. isn't it amazing how different it is now yeah how to connect the dots. Like Oh. Everyone knows exactly. <laughs> what you're supposed oh, to. I just graduated and get a gallery, and then I have a retrospective <laughs> right. in ten years, and <laughs> you know it's like so mapped out. The amount of schooling is just yeah, interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Right? That, I don't know that it's a much different way of finding yourself. You know what I mean? It's like you've got to find yourself in a certain framework that works for the machine of making creative things and then selling them and sharing. You know what I mean? It's yeah. it's so wrote and kind of like it's predictive in a way i i know and i feel that um at least it's 
presented as predictive. Yeah. In, in the hopes of like other career paths, like, oh, well, if you do ABC, D follows, and then the rest of the alphabet. And um, I don't really think that pans out for the arts. Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. sort of like <laughs> not a good carrot. No, but it's you like, know. it's the way. But the education system has its path. So yeah. it's like, okay, this We've is what mold we do. It. And we'll award degrees and there'll be more of them. And uh, um, I don't know. Yeah, I think art just, to, you know, as a entity, or at least the sort of commercial side of it, just wants to mold itself into other successful, you know, forms right. of like product making or, or whatever it is, yeah. you know? When it really difficult with art doesn't that fit doesn't as well. No, no, and uh, um, to some extent, especially with art, there is something nice for it being a little ahead of what is expected, in 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 you know, kind of shaking up how people view. So if you're aiming for the the moment, I I feel it would it's. It's not a good place to aim necessarily. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like for a product launch, it may be you want to yeah. be right on time. You yes. don't want to be too early or too late. Yeah. But for your artistic vision, you don't want to like be trying to aim for right now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> In, I mean, if it's happening, fine. But you know what I'm saying? You don't want to be overthinking like you know is is this the right time to make this work or should it be that or should i do this and and kind of kills off some of the <laughs> spontaneity yeah or what can happen um maybe that's just the culture right now well, you know well it, the marketing yes it is yeah because i don't think it really existed before the 80s there just wasn't the amount of branding and and celebration of branding yeah, you know that's maybe kind in of the Renaissance, maybe they had to you know get the client to make the uh, commissioned gigantic painting, and you know it had to be done in certain times, and they had to like check off the you know like yeah, maybe the patron has to be in it. It yeah, has exactly. to have so much blue because right. they're paying this much yeah. money. Maybe yeah. maybe we, those those we could solve. Yeah, there's always uh, something like that. Yeah, everything's cyclical, right? It probably existed in a different way. I know what I, before we get off school, I want to yeah. say I had a lot of fun in art school. Yeah. <laughs> if you go back after working a bunch of like random jobs and not knowing what the hell you're doing, art school is really like super fun. Vacation. And great. Like okay. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's like, right. so <laughs> if you're there, like, yeah, don't let anybody make you cry too much. Right. <laughs> Don't take it too hard. Get those materials, you know, grab that paper, you know, avail yourself of the print shop, you know, really enjoy and use the hell out of the place. Yeah. Because later, it's different. It is (laughs) different. You hear that, students? (laughs) You know, it's funny because I've I've said it before on the podcast that um, I went to school, I, I went to college you know right after high school Mm -hmm. and then I went to graduate school right after undergraduate school because I just applied to see if I could get in I did so I just went so it was like nothing but school the whole way so I always say I don't really know what it's like to take off a giant chunk of time in between undergraduate and graduate or whatever and but I did go to school with some people who took a long time off and it was totally a vacation for them like you could see that they were so excited to take a two-year dip out of (laughs) real 
crap life that they were just like some of them were you know making work all the time and like happy others you'd never see them they were just chilling for two years oh my god you know that used to kill me about the art residency i was working full-time the first time um i went to i think it was yada and i got there and i was so excited to have the time to make the work that i was like i you know i brought all these canvases i was like nobody talked to me you know I only just came out for dinner (laughs) (laughs) working 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 and about halfway there I I checked it out and other people were like you know they're going for long walks (laughs) in the woods (laughs) they're having affairs like all this all this life was happening I'm like what the hell yeah (laughs) they're just like taking a break (laughs) it's like a residency means vacation and I was trying to get a body of work together (laughs) But you were doing the right thing. <laughs> it's all relative. But yeah, right? I, I do think... <laughs> to what's going on. Right, right. I, I, yeah. They're both right. right. But yeah, for, I was doing the right thing for me. <laughs> right. For the, for the person, it could the right thing could be just like yeah. taking it easy for yeah. two, two months or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, but I, I do think that art school, one of the best parts about art school isn't necessarily the quote-unquote education of it. It's just being able to live in a in a portion of time where all you need to do is make work and think about right. art and rub up it's against uh, your peers yeah. that are yeah just emerging thinking talking right. feeling and, and want to listen to you because that's another thing yeah i know once you get out of school <laughs> i was just gonna say yeah <laughs> is this like the bummer cast for like <laughs> young students no <laughs> you know like just wait until you get out of school it's gonna really suck <laughs> No, but real world does come at you well, hard. Well, yeah, yeah. No, it, to, to, uh, it's, it's not the bummer cast on life after <laughs> art school. There is life. Right. There are things to look forward to. You will to. find someone to listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> you might even be paid for piece, people to listen to you. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that, um, yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah, I'm all for, I know at, at that age I too was, took everything very seriously and, and that's a good quality but also just to um relax breathe and enjoy the time also it doesn't have to be like uh, yeah every so day stressful. yeah right, yeah right. well there's such an intensity to yeah. any environment where it's 24 7 you know you're just immersed in it you have visiting artists you have critiques all the time you start to oh. just like you know get i want to critique people they just landed and I don't even think it was their first month. And so I thought, this is hard for both of us. You walk in and it's just like rabbit in the headlight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, How do you break I'm, that ice? I'm like, well, okay, this is what I do when I get somewhere near. You get, a, you know, an old painting. <laughs> could just be, they feel relatively good about and hang it on the wall. <laughs> mm, <yeah. laughs> okay, just put it there. Right. And then you have that there for your conversation. <laughs> and then you go over here and you just do something, <laughs> you know, break the ice. But at least yeah. you have that one that you feel like, OK, you know, this is, you know, right. this got me to, into art school yeah, yeah. <laughs> or into the residency. You know, it's like a, a little like a, a safety blanket or right. something. It's there. And it like opens the door. Yeah. And then you can, you know, until you feel like you have something going so, yeah. but you had a good art school experience. I did. And wait, where, where did you well, go to school? You know, I, I went to Parsons. It mm-hmm. was um, adult education. So this is 1986 through 89. I 
I think I, I, I stretched out an associate's degree for like four years. I would have just stayed. Um, and <laughs> just stay, stick around <laughs> well, for a while. <laughs> what the but, um, you know, it was pay as you go because yeah. you could go through the adult. And, and I appreciate that now because I didn't leave art school with any, you know, overhead. I would just pay for a class. And, and there was, um, I had a couple of teachers I really connected with. Um, and Joe Fife would be the first. Oh, yeah, and he's sure. a working artist today. And we mm-hmm. have a, a, a good friendship and have had a good uh, relationship for those years. And the other uh, was a painter named Ann Leedy, who I believe is in Minnesota now. And both of those um, professors reached out to me outside, you know, after the classes. And I went to those studios and, um, you know, either continued studying Ann Leedy. I did some studio assistant work for and. So the education went beyond because that's the thing through adult education, you, you know, you bring everything with you, like my painting one and two or three hour classes. Mm -hmm. So you bring everything with you and then you leave with everything. It wasn't like you had a studio set up that somebody could come in and critique. It was like, no, you got in a taxi with your hefty bag. Here's my stuff. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah. Um, So I was really appreciative to again make those connections and then studios were downtown and on the Bowery Uh, it was you know uh, a little different Um, and so you know going to this these artists studios and seeing the that you you set up a place and um, that was your place that's where you did your work yeah and then was the real education I think and and so having a couple of teachers who were really great about Kind of like transitioning your yeah. your work into the real or just your experience yeah, of the art world to the real world. Yeah, that just reached out and said, "Hey, you know, yeah. that was this key. is what I see." You know, you obviously didn't go through this, you know, directly, but right. you know, if I ha- you know, come see. And when you finished, did you were you of the mindset of like, okay, now I want to try to get a studio, and just focus on making work, or was it still more? real world like I'm just gonna work the job no no I was I was at that time I realized yeah oh this is it yeah you know this is what I need to do yeah and so everything else was in service of getting that studio um keeping that studio uh which really meant I moved out to Williamsburg and this is what I think it was 94 94 all right, so it wasn't too bad. I mean, it was starting to change then a bit. Yeah, it was not still much. It was it not was much. It was like yeah. for four hundred bucks, I had a plenty of room. Yeah, I I visited someone I think in '93 who lived right by the Williamsburg Bridge mm-hmm. and had their studio in their apartment. Two guys and had their studio in the apartment. And I remember leaving their apartment and we were going to go to the city, so we had to take the JMZ. And just leaving the apartment, it was like I swear a tumbleweed rolled <laughs> I, by. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <That was still laughs> like I'm even serious. in '94, like I didn't go down to like South 11th yeah. that often. <laughs> yeah, I, I think a tumbleweed rolled by. I was like, we're Domsies. in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Oh wow, Domsies. Right. That place. Yeah, my first. Well, not my first. I I moved to Queens after when I first moved here. But then I my first apartment in Williamsburg was in the Gretsch Building. Which was That's right where across Bruce from Pearson was. Yeah, and, and Vanessa, Vanessa Beecroft. That's right. And yeah. uh, Miltos Minetas. They were all in that building. And uh, Domsey's was right there. Yeah. So I used to get work pants 
to yeah, pay <laughs> right there. And then I, I, s- I never went to the grocery. I'm uh, thinking back to those times. I never went to the grocery store. I would only go to b- the, the bodega, bodega that was downstairs. Yeah. So I think I lived on spaghetti and uh, scrambled eggs for a while. All right. And then well, the I was on diner. North 9th Street, so I had kashas. Oh, yeah. And, and so it was, per- it was a steady diet of pierogies. Oh, yeah, yeah. pierogies. Yeah. And then uh, you had Bliss then. Bliss was always there, right? No, Bliss came later. Oh, I felt like yeah. Bliss was there like in, since 1962 or something. <laughs> they just seemed like I they I were always yeah, there. Yeah, they had that look. Yeah. No, th- but there was briefly, there was the health food store. Uh-huh. And that we had all the posters or the little notes. We mm-hmm. wrote notes to people. <laughs> tacked them up on the window. <laughs> um, what was there? Oh, the El Cafe. There's that little yep. sliver. Was the first place in uh, a, a little planet Thailand. I remember the planet yeah, Thailand. The, the first sliver. Yeah, the first incarnation. Yeah. Of that. Now it's probably a Verizon store. <laughs> you know, I Bedford Avenue. I'm like, whoa. There's an Apple store. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's it's a different it it's is, different it's town. Totally different it's a different place. town. Yeah. Yeah, but those early days you could you um, so you had a studio and it was affordable. It was affordable. We still doing cakes? We still did you what was the day job situation? Oh, my day job, um I was I and this is through one of my painting teachers. One of her um jobs was rolling up yarn into test tubes. Colored what? yarn. <laughs> I can't get to why I know it'd be bizarre. <laughs> um, oh, and her I'm friends ran a color forecasting company okay. called Hue Point, mm-hmm. and I went to work for them. And they laid out these predictive palettes for the fashion industry. That's really cool. So um, I was either mixing gouache colors or, you know, running around with yarn and test tubes in different colors. Um, Did those jobs still exist? fashion boards. Well, it all moved on to digital. Uh, the right? digital. Yeah. yeah, in those days, you you, um, you would take a swatch of fabric, match it to the yarn, send it to the yeah. dyer, which it was starting to move to China and say, it's, this is what it looks like. Mm-hmm. And That's a cool gig, though. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It's somewhat creative. And it was also, it was, uh, it was another, you know, small place, family-owned shop. Yeah. Um, and then since I had learned some HTML design stuff, uh, well, it wasn't design at that time. It was just to, you know, get on the internet right. and yeah. gab to people. Um, around, I don't know what year was it, around 90, I want to say 97, 98, uh, I was able to go get one of these um, really well-paid jobs <laughs> because I could do HTML. Doing HTML, yeah. Yeah. And I can make a, a GIF, oh, which yeah. you were uh, you didn't need a design portfolio or anything. Right, if right. you could make a GIF or something show up on the screen, you could get. Yeah, it's like this person figured it out. Yeah. So and it was kind of a godsend because I really I mean, I think I would also worked for um, two decorators that are friends. Um, environmental design. It's decorating. Um, I'm thinking of the odd jobs, you know, artists can do. In, in any event, this um, at this moment in time, I guess I was in my early 30s. I was in Williamsburg. Yeah, I started working for Time Inc. doing this HTML and making GIFs and banners. And at, at first, it was interesting. We were actually building websites. Later, um, it just became ads. 
Yeah. So I was making all those really annoying ads, mm-hmm. like figuring out ways that you couldn't close the pop up. Or, yeah. <laughs> you know, that was <laughs> how the, the evil people on the Internet <laughs> ruining it. But um, what I found for me as an artist is much brain creative brain power that I kept for myself. I needed in the studio. So I really ducked any job that demanded too much of my creativity. Right. You had you had some energy left. Yeah, exactly. I needed to do mindless or relatively uh, nothing's mindless, but relatively simple jobs, yeah. no promotions, no art direction, you know, I really kept that. So it worked though, right? So, yeah. And well you for me s- it did. You started making work then. Is this the time when you're making sculptures because you were saying you were I was making um you know, a lot of installations. I was always painting, and I'd put the painting, and then it'd, I'd build out these um, installations in my studio. And um, my first shows um, would usually be that, and a lot of stuff. It's fun to look at, difficult to manage. And and gradually, as an artist, I just was like, you know what? This this installation, it's it's like a gift. Everybody loves it. Yeah. It, it is I love it but at the end of every show I was in more debt than I started <laughs> and less space <laughs> even if we sold and stuff I was like <laughs> by the time I moved got an assistant we built up you know we covered the place yeah. we set it all up you know even if we sold the painting there was you know so anyway I, I sort of looked at it's probably the most business minded choice ever made I was just like no I'm gonna put all of that stuff i'm gonna put it into the actual paintings two dimensions you know i'm putting the i'm like narrowing the focus and we're gonna look here mm-hmm. not all right all over the place how was that transition and, uh, did it work right away well, or i think it just kept me interested that's kind of what i've been doing ever since yeah and uh yeah, and then where I and then all the insulation stuff just popped out where I live is a disaster. It's like <laughs> the walls are covered. Chris and I are there's always some pushback like, you know, the masks are creeping mm-hmm. over yeah. <laughs> to my side <laughs> of the roof. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that pile in the corner is growing mm-hmm. out, it's you know, pushing yeah, you, yeah, it's like <laughs> so the impulse didn't go away. And um you know, and and Probably when I started using lace as a stencil, mm-hmm. I was so excited about it is because it fit into what I was trying to do with getting all this um, pattern and embellishment and decorative ideas, but with symbolism in a very simple way on a two-dimensional surface. Yeah. So that really kept my interest. Well, uh, well, not to go off subject too mm -hmm. much, but when you mentioned earlier that you were thinking about maybe trying to get a studio upstate or like getting more space, is that something that you think if you had endless space, you would be filling it? You know, you would say, well, life seems to work that way. (laughs) (laughs) So like if you had, you know, 3000 square foot, you might start doing more installation sculpture. It, in other words, it's like a tendency inside of you. You it, feel it's like always I do, there. I do yes. want to just work. It's always out. there, and I think you know the most energy comes from just that that sort of little tug of war inside myself. Mm-hmm. You know, and how much um, that actually actualizes in in the work. Yeah. So how did Can't you start? How did you start making the connection or start sharing your work with people? 
was it through friends and artists or did you meet like a gal how did you All break into friend, showing friends and artists yeah yeah and was it a good doing art at studio visits um the first show I had came through uh, an amazing painter. She She's Canadian, but she's lived in New York a long time. She also worked at Time Inc. Her name's Susan Wanklin. And um, she was showing, she said, I think I, I would like to bring my gallerist over to see your work. Um, there was also Joe Amrine was down the street. Oh, yeah. So there was uh, the flat files. Remember, that was... You know, one of the first Williamsburg, or was he one of the first Williamsburg art yeah, people? Like, there's someone sure. who's showing work over yeah, there. Yeah, for sure. Um, and his uh, his first, the first pierogi was in um, Perry Hoberman's studio. I forget, Perry maybe had a teaching job or something, and then it was kind of, I think, just started... I don't know how intentional it was that it was going to grow into a gallery. It was started, and it was so wildly successful with the flat files. All the yeah. artists would meet there, and we'd, you know, nothing was over. I think two hundred fifty dollars mm-hmm. at that time, and that when um, I don't know when the, when he had to give up his studio, he moved next door, and then it started expanding from there and grew into a very uh, formative gallery of its own. I'm trying life. to think of where. The first space was the first program. It was right next door. It was on Ninth. Yeah, North Ninth, North Ninth Street. Down. Right between the water. Bedford. No, it was right between Bedford, Bedford and, and Barry. Uh, Bedford and Barry. Bedford and yeah. Barry. No. I had to have been there. No, I wait, can't Bedford and. Uh, Driggs. Driggs. Yeah. Is it Bedford and Driggs? Sure, it's east yeah. of Bedford. But that just made me think of Test Site. Did you ever hear of Test Site? No. Heron. No. Had a big gallery. It was in South Williamsburg. Hmm. Anyway. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that. Yeah. One. I guess I came in. I came in in the late '90s, so I think some uh, of that was that when I it was feel starting. Like it was maybe just starting. I mean, um, she was a an amazing human gallerist. Um, sadly, she left early. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I I didn't know that space. Yeah. I think it took me to a couple of years just to like under, you know, well, to yeah. dig in and, you know, get past like, oh, I'm in New York. <laughs> Where did you grow up? I grew up in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, New York was bigger, but. I'm s- visualizing the paint sign, though, the world with the can of uh, paint. Oh, Sherwin-Williams. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dripping over. Yeah. And the Heinz pickle. I love that. Yeah, yeah. It had good signs. <laughs> Cover the earth was their sign. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a great. A great metaphor for painting. It really is. Cover the Just earth. cover the earth, especially if you're a graffiti artist. <laughs> it's like perfect. Um, yeah, so I, 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 when you started showing, I guess, was it f- you kept the same studio or did you get pushed out? Were you kind of just... Um, Going I, for I, a had while? A, I had an apartment on North Ninth, and I eventually rented that basement um, of that building and used that. And then, over as things were changing, I gave my landlord back the apartment, and I moved into the basement for like the same four hundred rent, which I kept till like two thousand and eight. And then, <laughs> and that allowed. Wow, really? I know. Uh, sorry, it took me a second. But, but, but yeah, I know, four hundred dollars a month. That scrambled my brain for a second. I was like, <laughs> no. "Wait, you mean a parking spot?" Yeah, no. 
which now is probably more than that too actually oh yeah i um, get tickets just because it's cheaper than parking <laughs> but um yeah and and you know it did allow me a lot of flexibility mm-hmm. a three-day-a-week job you know traveling I, i've always traveled a lot it's been uh it's influenced your work, I imagine. Yeah, obviously. it's been sim- yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I did have to be that kind of crazy woman living in the basement of the building. Listen, for four hundred dollars, <laughs> you're the, the genius living in the basement of the building. There's nothing crazy about that. You know, friends come to visit you year after year, and they're like, right. "Damn." <laughs> <laughs> No, it was totally fine. Yeah, <laughs> it was like but that's a it's a pretty <coughs> good. I mean, yeah. that was a good run that you had. It was, there. yeah. So, and to, to good transition in talking about travel, the work at the time that you were making, how similar, how far is it from what people know today of your work? Hmm, it's hard for me to know. I feel like, in some ways, you you know. The output would look different, but the basic themes would be the same. Yeah. So it would be very similar. You could look back to, I mean, I did recently, and an artist like to look back to something very old that looks the the same. Yeah, Yeah. you can really see. Um, That said, a lot of people would not have seen the amount of uh, experimentation that, and, and just literal stuff, build up a layers of oil paint. Yeah, um, and stuff because of I'm painting very thin now. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, at one point it was really thick, right? Yeah, and there was a lot of lot of oil, a lot of more traditional material. Well, when traditional did you s- when did you start to thin it out? When I we like this is too 3D. I got to get more. Yeah, 2D-ish. yeah. This is <laughs> exactly went from installation, and that all went on the canvas, and then that just uh, it's sort of been an evaporative process. You know what's next. Screens, <laughs> <laughs> digital prints. <laughs> um, you know the spray paint. When I spray painted through lace, I was like, "Ah, oh, yes, did something." Yes, yeah. at least for me, I was yeah. Yeah, like, "Yes." So that became like, and and you know, to be fair, this could be also a little bit of um, you know, my husband's a painter. Yeah, you. He was your 100th podcast. Yes, he was. And we both were experimenting. And, and while our works never looked similar, I, I think it used to share more of the actual materials. Yeah. You know, the glitter, the oil paint, the collage, you know, collage pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been our, like, love story and conversation. Yeah. But this, for me, I felt was uh, just kind of a, a personal breakthrough. Yeah. To, to uh, get all get everything I wanted to say with less, <laughs> right. less right. that word less. Yeah, Isn't that a constant <laughs> battle. I feel like everyone has that battle in a way, like trying like, you know, clean out the stuff from my room. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. then, if you're a person who but likes to collect things, the, yeah, yeah. Oh. it's like I need. There's this idea, you know, it sounds like a Buddhist idea of like emptying out, not mm. being, you know connected to objects just kind of like yeah. being okay with do not you, having do you things. collect anything uh, i don't or really do you these tr- days try not to collect anything well i used to have like cd and record collect like oh, a okay. huge thing and then i just couldn't house all of yeah, it you just there. can't and I then know. just in time good old digital media yeah. came and i got an ipod and that helped me 
keep everything because music's one of the main things that I like to explore. And, you know, I even, I, I really have an urge to collect guitars. I have a couple and I've cut myself off because that's a dangerous habit. Yeah. <laughs> They're expensive. Right. They can take up a lot of space. Right. And then Ideally, you fetishize you them. Take them out or hang yeah. them up. And, yeah. So that's difficult. But I, I could see myself with a giant books? guitar collection. Did you avoid the book? I have books, but I don't. I don't collect tons you don't hoard of books. books. Okay. No, I have a good collection, but I've I've edited it down to where you know, yeah, it's not crazy. That's out of space. You know. Actually, I remember the day when I moved into the basement that I took all my physical albums and put them out on, on North Ninth Street oh, in front yeah. of my house, and right away this gentleman comes walking over over to me and said, "Are you sure you want to do this?" <laughs> And I'm like, at that moment, I was like, yes. And he's like, are you really sure? I'm like, yeah. Then he backed up his and pickup truck. And then he truck. took them all. He's <laughs> like, you're sure. <laughs> but he, he knew the moment. He really gave me like, right. it was like the devil. There was like three times oh, yeah. to say, no, okay, last chance. I've got to keep them. <laughs> well, they take up space. They're beautiful things. They take up things, so much space. In the city, it's tough. I know, I know. Yes. It's like I got rid of all my fiction. I only keep, you know, art books. Mm-hmm. Well, what about, so the iconography in your painting? Mm. And what are, what are the the things that you're influenced mm. by as far as, I'm sure, travel? And like you said, you were just in Peru. Right. I mean, Peruvian, like there's so much, it's such a bountiful visual um, place, you know, not that I've been there, but f- the stuff that comes from there is, mm. you know, I, I wonder what you're looking at, like what's inspiring your palette and your, your subject matter, the way that you're making these things. Mm. <laughs> well, um, so my first trip to Peru was five years ago. Mm-hmm. And I went down there. Uh, my mother had passed away a previous year. It was just some caretaking. And um, I went down specifically to drink ayahuasca with a, at a retreat center with Diego Palma. And it's something that had been on my mind for many years, even though um, I, hadn't, I hadn't, hadn't done any uh, mushrooms or psychedelics or mm-hmm. anything since I was a... Mm, I think the last time was maybe 1978. Yeah. It was a nice... 30-year chunk there. Um, How is that? Is it everything it's... Yeah, I mean, that, that could be like a three-hour podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was it was ultimately very good. Um, yeah, no, it was great. It was, you know, difficult at times. Yeah. I mean, Diego's a wonderful facilitator, though, so there was a lot of yoga, a lot of sharing, a lot of other support. And, and there, you know, it wasn't like being a pioneer where you had to go somewhere in the jungle where no one speaks English and just take your chances. This right. was a very um, safe... Controlled environment. Yeah, safe, loving, uh, you know, space. Um, anyway, I was, I, after that first experience, you know, I was returning there. Um, like three months later, six months later, and y- you know, it's interesting because a lot of what I was working on with this patterning—I mean, I think um, psychedelia or that visual information's always influenced the work. You know, from my 
what's been there for you for so long. Right. Since it's almost like family. 1960, right? whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I would keep sketchbooks and do little drawings. And, you know, so the patterning would naturally, it just started morphing into also a little bit of what I was seeing in these in these nights, these ayahuasca ceremonies. Not literally, but um, what's the word? In in the spirit of, like almost. Yeah. You know? Um, and so that influence was coming in and of course when you're looking out at the 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 landscape you know, influences are coming in, you know, especially yeah. the textiles, which I was already working with. So it was really just kind of like a, a happy marriage. Um, there was a, a cardboard box stencil I was using. Somehow that cardboard box stencil <laughs> lace and what I was seeing in my um, ayahuasca sessions, you know, turned into these uh, sort of very... Um, well, they're 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 creatures. They're men. They're women. Act, you know, dancing around in these different spaces or pushing open, you know, against the borders or portals or um, I don't know. It all just kind of it's like it went into the <laughs> the blender and yeah, you and, just let it come and just back seemingly out. <laughs> yeah, it came out in its uh, uh, its own iconography. That said, when I look at some of the textiles, it's like, you know, somebody says, well, what is that thing with the long nose? Is that like a more inspired by Carol Dunham? And it's like, kind of, but maybe it's also like the way llamas are drawn in Peru. Mm -hmm. You've got this little long yeah. nose. Like when you stitch things up, things become very simplified or pixelated. Right. Or, you know, it's... Geometric. Geometric. So, um... Well, it was it was a very it was it was like you know just add water and boing yeah yeah <laughs> and you I would imagine that you're not trying to well I don't know they have an appearance that you're not like editing them to the end you know what I mean you're letting some things happen there's some improvisation yeah. going yeah. on there and um, one thing that I'm interested in is when you have an experience like that this sort of like you know visual. A lot of eventual in, yeah, information. Experience, mm -hmm. and then you come back to a more, <laughs> I don't know how yeah. to explain it, like a ground, a more grounded, right, yeah, like yeah, visually and, and yeah. psychically grounded experience in like day to day or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you're trying to capture that. Like how, how, and are you thinking of the viewer and how the viewer relates to that imagery? Is it a dialogue of you in that experience and how you're negotiating that or is the viewer part of that dialogue as well how much do you care about you know that or is it more about the experience um, i think those are interesting um, variables right in the sort of making art and sharing it with the viewer equation that um i've been I, unencumbered okay, by yeah. because although i've had my moments back in school you know back a long time ago like it's not i i feel so tied to the day-to-day -day in my imagery which I, is kind of what it's yeah, about right okay so i think um you know first first it was just me in between you know keeping a visual diary for myself and um 
yeah, you know, I thought, well, for most of these paintings, I mean, I just really started even mentioning the ayahuasca portion because it's been such a loaded topic that I didn't want it to really overshadow the fact that with or without its, its paintings. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't, I, I really hate to really um, crimp the viewer's <laughs> experience. Right. I want it to be as open you know, obviously it is anyway. You can't really tell someone how to view yeah. <laughs> your work. So I like the, this open. So it, the less, and, and in that way, I like to duck under the less I say, the better. But, you know, to be fair. Um, but everyone artist does Artist wants to talk, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, so I was just more, you know, following a thread, an energetic thread. And that's how I work. I usually start with nothing in mind, maybe my sketches, you know, start, I said, I work on the floor almost exclusively. Things don't go to the wall to the last, last thing to finish it, you know? So everything's on the floor, draw on the floor, paint on the floor. Um, Obviously with spray painting the lace, I had to, you know, have things up on the wall. But with the lace over, you can't see what you're doing, so there's this removal anyway i start it's an energetic flow i start making these things and i the best case scenario is one painting's leading to the next painting leading to the next painting leading to the next painting i'm like a maniac for a while and then i stop and it's i don't even want to bring it up but it's like making a batch it's Mm -hmm. like baking again it's like making a batch of work and then i'm done for like a week maybe two weeks whatever take a little time yeah and then it's like once it's it's really on or off and it's it's not that it's so exhaustive it's just i've realized that's just how i what it's become into yeah you know so you know (laughs) it sounds terrible i'm never thinking of the viewer (laughs) that's fair (laughs) (laughs) you know maybe at the very end like Am I? I mean, like, <laughs> there's nothing wrong. I with think that. I became totally selfish. Yeah, <laughs> nah. <laughs> you know, I assume that, that they will find their viewers. You know, it's kind of like that's the job of the the painting, and you know, you can't please everyone. That kind of thing. Um, I. I, I, you know, I seek to like, like I'm like breathing life into this thing and then like, well, okay, that's like the best I can do today. Right. And I got to let it go, you know. And in a, w- in a way, it's like that painting is your journey <laughs> and then people can see that. Yeah. But you're not, you're not translating that journey to the viewer necessarily. Do you know what I mean? In, in the same way like John Coltrane when he's getting out there, you know, or like when jazz be becoming like free jazz, mm-hmm. they're not so worried about the listenership they're more exploring they're more about breaking down it's the experience of them you know recreating Mm -hmm. and like extrapolating on a song Mm -hmm. and that it's like if you want to go along listen to the journey then you join in but it's not like they're making that like a pop song or something you know right that it's yeah yeah. it's about the exploration 
I don't think I'm um, thinking fair. of yeah, that's a good, yeah. thinking of the viewer is it can be a good thing, it can be yeah. a bad thing. It's a, just there's probably no depends on the artist, right? Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. Like and the intentions yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> like what intentions. what their fuel is in mm-hmm. the studio. You know, sometimes it's a direct dialogue about the viewer's perception of the world, and then well, I'm saying this, and sometimes it's just like I d- this. Why don't you witness my brain for a few paintings? You know what I mean. Right. And this is just what I'm thinking about. And you bring and to it And if it's interesting you enough, you stay. And if it's not, <laughs> move to the yeah, next painting. you can check out. But I feel yeah. like all artists do that in the sense of where they're, we find things that um, inspire us to create that next image. Now that could be through travel, that could be through looking I at other people. I think it's you know. beautiful when, when we do surprise ourselves. Yeah. When you step back, it's like, oh, you know, wow. It's a good works. feeling. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's that a really for any artist. You're like, oh, oh, that's the that's the money. Doesn't feeling. feel so much like I did it, but like, ah, oh. right, like that worked. I mean, sometimes it's just like, okay, I'm going to do some exercises here. I'm going to start with this shape because, you know, like for me, it's the framing inside mm-hmm. the frame is a way to start. But the actual and even when I start with a drawing, I'll, I'll I'll try to be I'll always be open to the, you know, taking off or the taking off. I guess yeah. <laughs> something else can happen. Yeah, <laughs> different than what I just did. Right. Well, the great thing about that too, I feel like the great thing about letting being open and letting things mm-hmm. happen in your process is that it that usually doesn't get stale. You know what I mean? Like it's it. It's well, at usually this point, fresh. yeah, and I mean, you know. So I haven't suffered by having um, too much of an audience to keep happy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. About so that. it has it has to st- it, you know it has to feel good for the creator. You yeah, we have to not feel stale. Right. Or how or you know how yeah. can the work feel? <laughs> yeah, that's if we're getting like uh. Like if you're not excited, if how I may, is in else other words, I'm think it's you know, in the habitual mind can make anything like drudgery if it wants. Yeah, <laughs> it's like going back to like enjoy art school, but it's true. Enjoy your studio too. Yeah, like it's easier to make it the oh, I gotta go to the studio. Now what am I gonna do? But like I fight that because it's a gift to I completely be able to do this. Yeah. When you're you working, know? are you working in silence? Do you listen to music? What's uh, the sort of both? Atmosphere? I love having music. Um, yeah, I like to start with music. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, uh, well, Spotify. It used to be you'd have to get up and change. Not anymore. <laughs> and I'd say at some point, like I'd stop doing that. And I'd just keep working and it'd be silent. But yeah. now with the new technology, yeah. it just goes and finds things. Right. Yeah. yeah so there's usually some music going. You can hit shuffle and never, yeah. it would yeah, never that's repeat it. for the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, so I definitely like music. Uh, I also like podcasts. Yeah. So you can listen to other stories as you're Easily. working. Easily. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And what kind of music are you into when you're working? Is it different than when you're, you know, driving or on the bus no, or whatever? No, it's always the same. Um, and, it, you know, it obviously it changes. I was really relying on EJ to send me. Uh, a nice Spotify playlist because yeah. this new technique it takes a little more work than I like to put in at the <laughs> front end. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I know. <laughs> at least mean. for new music. Yeah. 
Um, and because I've been, uh, you know, I've really been listening to a lot of um, music from, it's <laughs> totally outing myself, um, from the Santo Daime tradition, because I'm learning Portuguese songs, mm -hmm. and I learn them by sound and repetition. So that's been on recently. So Portuguese? So Portuguese, yeah. But what, what kind of music did you say it was? Santo Daime. They're specific hymns for... Um, um, for ayahuasca, well, it's daime, which is the same essential ingredients that's in ayahuasca. See, I don't know that yeah. much about it. Anyway, they're they're hymns. Yeah. So there's um. Are they sort of quiet and repetitive? No, they have a a, a, a chanting a real rhythmic, real rhythmic maraca. Yeah, it could be like a kirtan. Yeah. Um, it's and they also have a nice upbeat, so you you keep moving. Yeah. Gives um, you a pulse in the yeah. studio. Yeah. It's funny because you know who I thought of when I first saw your paintings was Tom Zay. Do you remember? Do you know him? No. He's a Portuguese singer. Oh, I'm gonna. Like put he, well, it in he, well, he's Brazilian, yeah. but Brazilian, I mean, he sings yeah, in Portuguese. That's, yeah. But yeah, I'll, I'll give you some people to listen to that okay. you might be into. Okay. But there's a vibrancy and a feeling of yeah, yeah. There's uh, a little, there's a playfulness, really but there's a slightly dark <laughs> side to it at the same time, right? Like that, don't you think? It's got Could a be, yeah. some playfulness, <laughs> a, a little like I don't know. It's hard to describe, but yeah. Anytime I, I think the palette and uh, one of my friends said to me, "I want to see you get really dark," and I'm like, "Well, just sit with that for a while," because it's sort of like a ruse, the sort of happy mm -hmm. palette. And then when you actually look at, it's like anime can be both. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you look at what's going on. Usually, it's both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like I I always used to joke. Well, like something really evil is going to show up do you think it would really show up like dripping in bloods with like aliens eight heads yeah, yeah, and yeah. like you know it's probably going to look kind of cute <laughs> like float in yeah, right, exactly right. That, that's Destroy more <laughs> exactly that's going to take your head off not that other thing you know to run <laughs> right yeah it's going to be you this know? really cute balloon yeah. head thing that's going to it's the killer surprise you. <laughs> yeah. steal your soul anyway um but there's a um an artist, and I'm forgetting his name, super famous because he covered David Bowie's songs. Beautiful Portuguese singer. Oh, Is it um, J? He, he. I think I know who you're talking about. It was the first time I heard Portuguese singing, and after that I was just with Italian, the two most beautiful languages. Yeah, I, I think I know who you're talking about. Did he play in New York often? Not so often. I think after this movie came out, mm -hmm. and in it he is singing um, you know, Ziggy Stardust, basically, okay. in Portuguese. It's nice. Slow, cigarette right. hanging out of his mouth, just on the beach. And you know, he just has one of those voices. Yeah. Do you like, like Gilberto, like Jao Gilberto? I don't know. Like samba stuff. Oh. You know, Girl yeah. from Ipanema. Of course, of yeah. yeah. It's beautiful, that singing. You just need an acoustic guitar and that singing, and it's amazing. Yeah, I've always loved that stuff. So that, yeah. Let me see, so what else have I listened to in the studio? Metallica. And then, no, and then I have this side. No, Chris will tell you. <laughs> New metal. <laughs> Little I, black submarines. Know, right. No, it's totally, it's there. <laughs> it's embarrassingly there. <laughs> I was like, you know, the other thing about the Central Valley is like 
we love Black Sabbath. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we were yeah. like those kids. <laughs> I never listened to a lot of Sabbath, but my son is into it. So now I'm starting to hear it more often. Really? I mean, I knew Ozzy. Yeah. Like yeah. when I was growing up, it was Ozzy's mm-hmm. the solo record was really mm-hmm. big, like Crazy Train. Yeah, I was already, I was thinking like Paranoid. And yeah, War Pigs. Yeah. the. Those are good songs. <laughs> They are. They're really good songs. <laughs> they are good songs. Well, I have that. I, every so often, I, I crank something really. Yeah, it's like a like a double espresso yeah, in the yeah, studio it gives yeah. you that energy, the bump. Yeah. So, and then are you doing a lot of drawing too? Yeah. You yeah sketch, I'm always drawing. I'm always lot. drawing. A lot Some of flat files there. Um, that's just a small portion of them. Yeah. So is it part of, I mean, are you... Working on paper, I like we've talked, moving around uh, in your kitchen in the morning, you can always work on paper. Yeah. It's like so, uh, keeping ideas going when the job's not letting you get to the studio. Yeah. At the job, in the morning meeting. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> in the afternoon meeting, and how can we possibly have another meeting? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Meeting, that meeting. Sketch during that <laughs> meeting and sketch during that meeting. Yeah. I joke yeah. sometimes when teaching that we'll have meetings about meetings. You do. Yeah. It's like we're going to meet it's about like the <laughs> meetings that we're going to have. It's like this is getting confusing. Yeah. I actually, you know, well, it's a little off topic, but I did at one point, I, was, I had always been afraid of um, taking a more corporate job mm-hmm. um, because of the time demands. And actually, when I did that I had more time oh, because yeah. in a small place remember you know like mom and pop shop you, everybody's really needed yeah <laughs> in a corporate structure right there's a lot of middle layers of you're not always counted <laughs> you're on really yeah yeah there's really little are. time it's so much more time <laughs> that's funny it's true though yeah like if you're working in this it's like a difference between working in a small shop where it's like two people there Right. And then working at a Walmart. Where there's a, a hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Or well, that, anyway. was, that was a smart move. It was, uh, yeah. Give you a little extra time. fortuitous at the time. Yeah. And so when you're doing a lot of drawings, are you, will you reference drawings in these or are these totally drawing too that just no, are paintings? No, no. I, I think um, if I'm doing a lot of drawing, it's so much easier to go directly to the canvas and trust the impulse and the hand because it's kind of been doing that if it's been a chunk of time and i've only been working on paper i'll actually look at a drawing and recreate it and try to get a little juice going that Mm -hmm. way um yeah these when you hang these like this it really you get to see them because you have this nice big wall you really get to see them as you would see them in a gallery you know which is nice it's super helpful because uh, you know, I've noticed this over the even here, you know, looking is so important. Um, when you get things in the gallery and generally you they aren't hung as close and there is something to being brave enough to just ha- have less in the room and have people really yeah. need to focus or spend some of their attention time mm-hmm. with the piece and let the piece unfold, you know, yeah. and it's, you know. Certainly, as a young artist, that that makes me really uncomfortable. Still does. I want to put more in. Just okay, and then you know, but um, I think that's where galleries can really help. Some of that edit. It's like, a, look, you, you can't show everything, right? 
you need to, you know, have the confidence to show your best paintings or whatever this show is going to be, and uh, let people see. Because as artists, we're used to seeing a lot, and, yeah. and we're visually stimulated and trained. We're looking, 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 looking. So you know, people come over here and they'll like go right over there in the right. corner and pull out this one thing, you know. And but you know, for most people. You walk into a gallery, it's almost like the galleries are saying, no, this is what you're supposed to look at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll handle this. We'll right. <laughs> edit this down Look at for this you. at the wall, right. you know. Yeah. This is where your attention's to go. Yeah. Because if you don't do that, I've shown things on the floor. It's like people are lo- don't know where to look. Yeah, and I think... And, and as artists, we forget that. Right, but galleries have this natural... That's you know, what they're thinking. They're, they're, <laughs> they want to, well. They want to also pedestal things. Like if yeah. there's everything all over the place, you don't feel, you know, that they probably feel that you that know, lessens the value it, a little well, bit. Or value, and so. it's important. I think it's really like people like what to look at. Yeah. Like I don't know what to do in here. Right. It's there's a lot going on here. Yeah. Whereas if you know yes, you have eight paintings, it's like you're going to take the time and look at each one of those yeah. pieces. But I think your work is in the dialogue of like more like there's more strokes there's Mm -hmm. more movement there's more color do you know what i mean so it's nice to see some space in between the paintings as opposed to the salon like you know like just everything all at once because you can really slow down in these and, and sort of look at all those layers that you're building at first glance it might seem like oh that's okay i see it and then as you look at it you see other marks you see the way that you're building up the paintings and it has like a, you know, a much more complex layered um, history to it than the first read, I think. And I'm sure that's, that's good. something that's good. you want the viewer to get out of it. Or wait, you don't care about the viewer. I don't care about the yeah, viewer. Yeah, no, <laughs> I love you, viewer. Please look at my painting right. stay. <laughs> I take it back. Yeah, yeah that sounds great. That's just when I'm making it. The minute it's done, that's right. all I care about. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you well, like I'm me, right? Like yeah, exactly. Good. That's it. Right. <laughs> Sorry, I was being indulgent there for in my studio there for. But it's all a few for weeks. you. Yeah, I really do care about you. <laughs> that's that's funny. So, so you and you just to go back to your trajectory, you've mm-hmm. been showing for a long time. Right. When was your first show in the city? I did two shows. I think the first one was 2001. I did two shows in Tribeca with Cheryl Pelevin Gallery. Mm-hmm. Um, she's no longer there. And I showed in Brooklyn a lot. And then from 2005, I didn't show again in New York City till several years ago. Mm-hmm. Like with Klaus. Time. Yeah, wasn't it was yeah I'm it was one of those quirky things. I wouldn't say I took some time. <laughs> <laughs> the art world took some time yeah, off from you. You know, um, yeah, life was happening. Um, it was really, um, I know what it was. It was really when I took a studio over here in Bushwick. Mm-hmm. This is important. I'd been working in my house for several years. In between two thousand and eight, I left North Ninth Street. And I took a studio in 2010 over here in Bushwick. I was doing this spray painting work. It needed more room, needed ventilation. Um, 
and there was just a whole new neighborhood of eyes more artists out here and and so you know it's really through the community as i started meeting people that really responded to the work it was like oh we want to show these it's important right community it's so yeah. important and and whereas i can't say for what reason um but Jason Andrews at Norte Mar was really instrumental. He's like, oh, I, I just can't wait to show these. Yeah. And so I did, um, was that 2012, maybe? I think so. And, and, and since then, I've been showing regularly. And um, But yeah, there was several years ago. There was about a, uh, to me, it, I'm sure there were some group shows. It felt like a six-year lull. Yeah. That's what it felt but like. But you're still but there working was still, the whole time. But yeah, yeah, I'm still working, and there's still some group shows. And it's, it's you know, even in those lulls, I look back, and it's like, oh, yeah, well, that happened, that happened. I had a residency. I That's went funny. to Switzerland for six months, blah, blah, blah. You know, there was stuff happening, but it just felt like. It's a feeling. Bleh. Yeah, yeah. There's that feeling. <laughs> like, it's always. I'm not in the Whitney Biennial. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or whatever, you know, you tell yourself. It's kind of funny. Like, nothing's happening. Yeah. I've had it's still all happening right I've had mentors who've been around the block for you know decades and they would say to me early on you know things will ebb and flow like there's going to be ups and downs yeah it's never as high as you feel when you're up and it's never, never as low as when you feel when you're down but you're it's on the rides way, it's an excellent way yeah. to put it it's never nothing is it's something is always happening. Yes. It's impossible for nothing to be happening because you're alive. Yeah. The lean yeah. feels are ju- or yeah. the lean years are just going to feel really, right. really lean. Yeah. But it's just, you know, it's cyclical. Yeah. But you just have to keep yeah. working. And yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I feel like in to me, whenever my showing started, it feels like it started in 2012. Yeah. Even though you had been showing before, right. but that's when you felt like it that's when I really destroyed. felt like, yeah. And you met that really nice fellow time. named Klaus. I've heard great things about him. <laughs> Klaus is... <laughs> he's amazing. He's a charm. He's very elusive. Yes. But, uh, Hard to yeah, pin down. Yeah. <laughs> he got his start he over on... He doesn't uh, say anything. He's so quiet. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> he started in Williamsburg, though, right? Right by Kellogg's Diner. That's right. Right? That's Remember? right. Yes. And then that was like a painting And now it's studio. a painting salon. Is it still a you painting could, salon? Yeah. You, I see that. I walk by there and I look in and sometimes I mesmerize. I see everybody with their glass of wine, their little yeah, yeah. like table easel. All painting the same painting. And it's still alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're having a great time. That's I'm amazing. Like, we didn't go that way, did we? <laughs> 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 we turned. Yeah. That wasn't my art class. <laughs> Beer and a painting of a still life of trees or, or copying a Van Gogh. But that's pretty amazing. Yeah. So yeah, so Klaus yeah. started there. Did yeah. you show in that space? You didn't I did show not. I met them years later. Um, this is another thing for artists. I think a lot of times we have this uh, concept of where we'd like to show. Mm-hmm. And um, you kind of are focusing on that gallery. And I don't even remember who that was for me. But it was the first time somebody had been following my work and approached me. Like... Uh, people are out looking so sometimes you're looking right and someone's looking at you Mm -hmm. and so uh i really got my introduction from them saying oh we've seen your work around we'd like to do a studio visit so it's a real pleasure to meet them i love them yeah yeah you know it's funny because i think well the system we were talking about with Mm -hmm. art school and the career path everyone that will come up with these ideal like oh i really want to see my work here or there 
And I think it's undervalued to find people who really believe in your work. I think that's that, more important. That is way more important. <laughs> yeah, I think. they really care and they really, um, yeah, are generally interested. Yeah, they're not and, just going to dump you out on the curb, you know. Right, because, um, I mean, there is a mirroring that happens that I will say is huge for an artist. Mm-hmm. And it does happen in that gallery when, you know, you're just mirrored back through all all these viewers that I love to please. <laughs> yes. Just say that again. <laughs> um, you then do get an energetic, okay, you yeah. know, uh, love a boost. It's mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, someone cares about the work. You know, they're, they're like, but just that it's it's um, worthy of some attention. Yes from the galleries, from the people who gone in the gallery. Okay. Um, you know, really good galleries are able to nurture along artists. Mm-hmm. If, you know, it's not, I mean, yes, everybody needs to sell work, you know, just to operate. But um, it used to be in, in, I don't know the time where Chris and I have talked about this, you know, we're, there were some good gallus that could really nurture an artist's growth and give them that place where this mirroring, mirroring I mean, I think of Leo Castelli and some of the yeah. people we read about. Like, It's harder now to have that because of the pressure, you know, yeah. just the rent the footprint. Yeah. But, um, you know, at least to get that for a couple of shows, mm-hmm. I think is so important for any artist. You know, yeah, and it's, just, uh, it's not really that there. kind of loyalty. Not yeah. like let's just put it on the wall, and if we sell it, great. We'll do another one. If we don't, like, yeah, <laughs> later. You know, right. And then you have twenty artists, and like you believe in the three that are selling really well, and yeah. promote them, and forget everyone it's, else. You know, I think most, ideally, I like to think that most scholars would like to be that but I, then I also realized that visionaries are rare in, in every field mm-hmm. and it is a different position than being the artist yeah. you know they're they're in their own unique and if they don't sell the work they can't pay the rent and they're gone right and also <laughs> the artist wants money yeah. so then the double bind of like right <laughs> oh, we, here's what we made you know yeah um anyway yeah that's part of it I, I know guess where I'm going with that but yeah I, I realized that uh there are, to me, that's more important. I guess that's the part of it. It's yeah. more important, my relation, especially at this stage of my life. Right. And when you get older, it's just more about your relationships and quality time. Yeah, you don't want to deal with, like, the BS. <laughs> you know? It's just, there's not, yeah, you're just feeling more finite and yeah. precious about you know, the time you have. You want well, it's like dating. Yeah. When you're in college, you you date anyone like, like yeah sure let's <laughs> give it a try <laughs> then you get older and you're like you know they're like i, I want to watch I you know real housewives i can't do like, this can't, no sorry deal we'll breaker. save us a lot of <laughs> <laughs> a lot of yeah, talking and trying that. to meet in the middle we just right. it's like <laughs> yeah you just don't put up with anything you're like oh, i'm sorry i can't deal with that you know it's times okay. change yeah you change over time dated in a while but you know i could see that me neither but i feel like yeah. that's what it yeah. would be like yeah it's like <laughs> i'm gathering it's like the seinfeld thing it's like oh you eat your pee with a fork it's over i can't yeah. be with you uh. <laughs> <laughs> so um where can people find your work 
like generally oh. like online you you have a social media presence you have a um, website and all that I stuff do have a website that I will I am about to update it's under my name Tamara Gonzalez um, Klaus von Nixagon I'll be doing a show in Los Angeles with the Pitt Gallery in November nice or the Pitt 2 they're cute there's the Pitt and the Pitt, the Pitt 2, two. And they're right next to each other <laughs> um, where's that gallery that's in Glendale, in Glendale. Los Angeles. Okay. Yeah. Uh, where else can you find my work? I do have Instagram under my name. I don't post my work there. I do other. Mm-hmm. That was my rule for me. That's community. Yeah. Community service. Um, I think it was my experience with Facebook. I just, I probably shouldn't, I don't know. <laughs> didn't. My, it, was, it was in reaction to my experience with Facebook. Just That's right. all I'll say to that. I think I can. <laughs> imagine <laughs> what transpired um yeah and then do, are you have anything coming up um you just working on it. some new work yeah i'll be working this summer upstate um there is a book i've uh my work's been um married with peter lamborn wilson's poems oh, that's that cool. keeping my fingers crossed will get published in the next year mm-hmm. nice i don't have anything definite yet but it's close close yeah sounds good yeah so if that happens um i'd love to get him down here for a reading and just a general excuse to get everyone together yeah that sounds like yeah. fun. i know it's nice to marry work or to collaborate with it's like great poetry. i love the poets yeah you know? i did a there was a book called smartish pace which is an, a journal of poetry and i used my work for it nice and it's really cool to just see your stuff like it kind of like it's such a different relationship than just you know showing it on the wall so it's kind of a nice yeah, it's a nice yeah. dialogue yeah i let him pick so it was there is something um i don't know i i enjoy being curated because i i feel like i do <laughs> back to <laughs> petting the viewer i do like that other <laughs> the the other eyes that yeah. you know after the work's done that put it in different context right. than what I would habitually do. Yeah. Yeah, it's you like invigorating. Earlier I wanted it my way, my way, my way. Now I'm like, ah, oh, let's not do it my way. Right. Oh, your <laughs> way? That sounds great. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I'm open to that. Yeah, you close some doors, you open <laughs> yeah, some others yeah. as time goes on. I'm in that space <laughs> right now. Well, thanks for opening your door. It was cool to, the studio's great. The work looks Thank really you. good. It was really nice this to come This was really fun. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Sound and Vision is recorded, produced, and edited by myself, Brian Alfred. You can follow Sound and Vision on Instagram at Sound and Vision Podcast, and you can find the podcast, more information, and images I take from the podcasts at soundandvisionpodcast.com. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can make a donation of any amount on the webpage. The intro music and introduction was lended by Michael Lovett of the band Nazca Lines. You can catch Michael moonlighting in the band Metronomy. The artist introduction music and outro music was provided by Lullatone. For more information about myself and my artwork, check out my website, paintchanger.com, or find my work at Miles McHenry Gallery in New York City, Maho Kubota Gallery in Tokyo, Hezi Cohen Gallery in Tel Aviv, and Studio La Chita Gallery in Verona. Thank you for listening.